You're listening to NBS Cast with your host, Rachel Edwards. Welcome back to NBS Cast. I'm your host, Rachel. And today we get to continue our Associate Hobbies and Interests series with friend of the podcast, Scott Suarez. Scott, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Happy to be back. We're happy to have you. So if you could introduce yourself, we've already said your name, but if you could tell us how long you have been with NBS and your current role so we could get to know you a little bit better, that would be great. I have been with NBS for about three and a half years now. August will be four years. Currently, I am a partner success manager with Fax Education Solutions, and we're currently helping Nebraska's private schools spend their COVID relief funds. I am in a little bit of a transition, though, as here in a couple weeks, I'll actually start as a sales support coordinator within FaxEd Solutions, though. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I think last time I was transitioning to this partner success job. So every time a podcast opportunity comes up, it's like, uh oh, is something else going to come up for me too? But <laughs> time no, to get a new excited. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, congratulations again. I'm sure you'll be very successful in that new role. And I'm also sure that the Nebraska private schools right now are very, very appreciative of the help that you can provide them with those COVID relief dollars. Yep, most definitely. It's always interesting, though, because they are being told they're going to go through some business processes that some of them aren't as familiar with. And that's where we're able to come in and assist them and make the process as smooth as possible. Anytime you're dealing with government funds, you have some hoops to go through. Glad that you're able to help them with that. Let's talk about why you are on the show today. We want to hear what hobby are you here to talk to us about? I decided a while back that instead of paying to have this service done, when I first started getting into this sport, one of the first times this need came up, I looked into paying for it and individual that I knew and did this hobby with was like, hey, you know what? You're going to pay quite a bit of money to do it. Why don't you just let me regrip your golf clubs? And so I said, okay, hey, I'll go ahead, let you do that. And he was telling me it would save me quite a bit of money. So just over the course of the years, when the need came up, I started doing it myself and thought, hey, why not offer regripping golf clubs to other people that might not want to pay as much if you took it into a professional to have it done? So how expensive is it on average to get golf clubs regripped? And why would a golfer need to have their clubs regripped? It could kind of depend. I've heard ranges of like five to eight dollars a grip just to actually buy the grip itself. And then I believe when I was doing some research on my own, I heard anywhere from twenty five to thirty five dollars for the actual service. So between paying for the grips, typically set of clubs, twelve, thirteen clubs. You could talk eight, nine, ten dollars a grip times twelve or thirteen, and then the twenty-five to thirty-five dollars for the actual service to have it done. It could get somewhat pricey. So what I did that first time was just went on eBay, found some that uh, I thought were pretty inexpensive, and then the individual 
was pretty generous and was like, tell you what, buy me a hot dog the next time we're out golfing. That, <laughs> that's the price. So I was like, heck, I saved a decent amount right there. So why would a golfer need to get their clubs regripped? Typically, I mean, here in Nebraska, if you're a pretty big golfer, it could get pretty hot, humid. Just the number of times that you're swinging the club, a lot of friction uh, with your hands touching the grip so much that the grip will tend to wear off. I've even seen some peel at the end. You're, you're down to like steel almost, getting close to the steel. Just makes the club a lot more slippery in your hands. I've seen some people in there, their swings, the club goes flying. That's the main reason why someone would need to uh, get their clubs regripped. Okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, safety hazard for one, and you don't want to lose a golf club in the lake as well. <laughs> yep, yep. So are you an avid golfer, Scott? Um, when you sent me the list of questions, I was glad you put avid in there um, <laughs> because I'm like, oh, no, I, I don't know how to answer that if it says, are you a good golfer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love to get outside. I love the people golf allows you, has allowed me to hang out with. I feel my dad and I always had a pretty good relationship, but through golf, we've been able to spend quite a few days out there just uh, talking to each other and catching up. So yes, I, I definitely do consider myself to be an avid golfer. Good, kind of relative and depending on the day, but, uh, but yes, I would call myself an avid golfer. So when it's in season, because you're not golfing right now, obviously, <laughs> but how often would you say you get on the course? That's kind of varied throughout the years, too. When I first started, I wanted to get out once a week. And then just as life has gotten busier with family, kids, all their activities, I found that during the season, maybe once or twice a month now, I'm getting out. But it's funny you mentioned that not golfing now. The, the first year my dad and I really got into it, we actually did make it out once in Nebraska each one of the months out of the year. So Wow. <laughs> and there were some cold days and there were some days where it was like, okay, I'm glad I'm golfing in the middle of January because that would have landed square in the middle of a lake. But now it's <laughs> sliding across the lake so I could go over there, pick my ball up and move along. But yeah, typically, um, you're right, not able to golf year-round here in Nebraska. So, Yeah, not in Nebraska. Maybe in some southern states, but yeah, yeah. Nebraska, no. I'm located in Illinois. That's also a no-go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of neat to, like I mentioned, golfing with my dad, to watch him. He swore when he picked up clubs that he was like, hey, yeah, I'll give it a go, but I'm not getting into this. And now he's retired. And one of the first things he did after after retiring was was join a club about 45 minutes away where he and some friends that he actually made through golf over the years. And I mean, he's golfing now three to five times a week. And I just sit here and go, one of those days, Dad. So <laughs> how often do I golf is one of those questions where it's like, ah, right now, not as much as I want to, but hopefully I'll be able to give an answer like his. Fair enough. I mean, I feel like we could talk about golfing for the entirety of this episode, but I want to circle back and talk a little bit more specifically about regripping because we were going to talk about how you parlayed that into a side hustle for yourself. But before we get there, one thing I want to know is what kind of equipment do you need to regrip clubs? 
what I typically use, like to get a towel or a trash bag or something, and then a pretty sharp utility knife comes in pretty handy. They have like these clamps that you could buy online. I've never really found them to be of much use, but I think you could set the club in there and just kind of rotate it. It's a pretty loose clamp to avoid getting your hands too sticky, I guess. Some adhesive tape and then an adhesive spray. So you don't need too many tools to do it. The ones that I would say are necessary are definitely something just so you're not dripping the adhesive spray all over the place. Obviously the spray, the tape, and then the utility knife comes in super, super handy when you're trying to get the old grips off of the club. So on average, how long does it take you to re-grip a full set of clubs? So far, I the side hustle has not taken off like I thought it would. So part of that's my, I think there'll be some questions later as, as to why that might be the case. But so far, I have only had the opportunity to do three. Well, I guess I've done my, my own in the past. The time that it takes... Typically, I would say for me to regrip my own, you need at least 24 hours, but obviously some of that's not all work time. Some of that is to, to allow that adhesive to set. It could also depend on how old the previous grips were. Some of that tape and how much adhesive the last person put on to the original grips will make a difference in how long it's going to take. Typically, cutting the top layer of the, the grip off isn't too difficult. You peel that rubber portion of it off, but then you have that tape on there that sometimes is just like, I mean, it is a strong, strong bond to that steel. So you're spending quite a bit of time with like a fingernail, like peeling these tiny little pieces off. Occasionally, you'll get one that you can tell it's like, oh my gosh, it, there almost is still some moisture to that tape. And that actually makes it makes pulling it up quite a bit easier. But if they're real old grips, uh, a lot of times you do end up peeling it with your nail and that'll take quite a bit of time. But if you end up with one of those decent, not too old of a grip on there, to do one club, I would maybe say takes five to ten minutes to peel it all off to spray new adhesive in the new grip, to take the adhesive tape off of its, uh, like, uh, the backing that it comes on to, wrap it around that the club, and then the adhesive, when you first put it on, it's actually very slippery because it's a pretty tight fit when you're putting the new grip over the end of the club. So it makes it slide down there pretty quick. And then the rest of it is, like I said, just that. I like to give it about a, a day to dry before I'm willing to, to go swing them full speed. So what made you want to turn this into a side business for yourself? Can you talk a little bit about what that process was like? Yeah, a side hustle is something that has always intrigued me quite a bit. I shouldn't say always, but probably for the last four or five years. As a former teacher, having summers off kind of made me go like, you know what, there's some summers where I just got bored. What's another way that I could could make a little extra money, keep myself occupied, allow me to go do some things that I might not be able to based off of just my standard income. So I've always kind of been interested in that. 
And then what really moved me to want to start a side hustle, though, I would say was when I came to NBS, just the amount of people within Nelnet that have pretty successful side businesses really made me go, you could do this. I think a lot of times I would make excuses like there's no time. But then when you see other successful people within your own company, they're successful with their main job, but then you hear them and see them selling things at a farmer's market or seeing them making cutting boards and bringing them into work and selling them to people. Hearing them say, yeah, this is what we use for our spending money when we go on our big vacation during the summer, or this is what allows me to get Starbucks I don't personally, but one individual I talked to was saying, like, I love my Starbucks. My husband would be very upset with me if he knew the amount of money that I spent, but he's okay with me doing this side gig and using that for my Starbucks obsession. I'm like, yes, that is what I would love to do. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was super, super motivating to see people you work with do that. But my process, I couldn't find out what I wanted to do. And it was just blind luck one day, similar to kind of how I fell into doing it myself. Had a friend say, hey, could you help me pick out golf club grips online? I want to get some regripped. And I said, hey, don't go pay someone to do it. Let me do it for you. And when I came home and told my wife I was doing that, she had known for quite some time that I'd been looking to start something up. And she goes, Scott, is that something you think a lot of people would pay for? Like, if you get your name out there, sure. And she goes, there's your side hustle. And I was just like, oh my gosh, thank you, Jen. That's what moved me and motivated me to actually turning it into a side gig. I love how you frame that when you were talking about others you know of to have these side hustles or I would even go so far as to call them passion projects because they might be looking to turn that into a full-fledged business at some point in the future, but right now they're happy to use it so that they can work on something they love, earn a little bit of extra money, but not necessarily parlay that into a full-fledged, this is what I want to pursue full-time. I think that's important to remember. Some people that start these side hustles, they put all yeah. their eggs in that basket. <laughs> And then when it doesn't take off right away, then it's easy to get discouraged or disappointed. Whereas if you reframe it and look at it as, oh, I'm going to do this so I can have a, a good creative outlet for something I enjoy doing, but it doesn't have to be my sole focus. I think it's important to remember those stories so people can engage in a passion project like that and not have these great expectations of how they want that to play out. That was the thing when I was talking to one individual too, they're like, it helps me occupy the time, the three or four hours between the time the kid's going to bed and then my husband and I go to bed. Like we watch TV and I figure why not be productive as I watch the show as well and hang out with my husband and sit here and make earrings. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, yes. And the re-gripping golf clubs, I'm like, that's something I could easily do too. And and then like you said, if it's something you're truly, truly passionate about and it does take off, then you could do even more with it. So I appreciate you saying uh, you appreciated the way I framed it there. 
So you mentioned that this side business hasn't gained as much traction as maybe you thought it would or would have preferred by now. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I started off, I'm kind of a person that I get grand ideas in my head. So I'll go, I'll go full bore when I first start it. I heard creating a Facebook page for your startup or uh, your side hustle is a good idea. So I'm like, yep, let's go do that. But then once I get to the point where it's like, reach more people for $5, $10, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I really want to invest and I mean, it's 5 or $10. I can spare the 5 or $10, but it's just like, ah, little uh, speed bumps like that tend to slow my progress down quite a bit. So I did. I, I created a page and a lot of my friends came back and were like, oh, great idea. Love the idea. But how many of them are big golfers? Probably not a whole lot of them. If I would pay Facebook that $5, I'm sure there would be something where I could reach more people and potentially get more business opportunities with that. I think COVID has possibly played a part in it too. I sit there and go, well, are there any events where you could go and showcase your your hobby, your passion, and potentially get interested people there? Yeah, so it's more just the the struggle to reach the audience that I need to that has caused caused the issue for me because I truly do feel like there are people out there that would take it up. It's more just the opportunities to reach those individuals that I'm now struggling to find. Like you said, I feel like it's kind of the right audience at the right time. The, that's the magic combo when you're trying to promote something like this because like you said you know, you can promote it to your friends on Facebook and they're like, yeah, great idea. Go you. But then do all those friends need clubs regripped? Probably not. (laughs) Yep. In the future, or let's frame that more positively, in the near future. (laughs) I like it. As we see uh, COVID kind of shift and hopefully taper down. Do you think that's something that might encourage you to put more promotion into this side gig? Or is it something more you'll just wait and see what happens? What are you thinking? I could see like, yeah, once it once it dies down more, maybe even once I'm getting back out on the course more, oftentimes you'll get paired up. The golf course obviously wants to put as many people on the course as they can to make money. So if you say, hey, we have a twosome, and we want to play at two o'clock and another group of two comes at two o'clock, they'll say, oh, go golf with this group of two that we have going. So I could see that easing up again once COVID dies down again. And I could see that being something like invest in making business cards and potentially getting paired up with people saying something like, hey, I noticed you have a couple clubs that look like they need regripping. If you'd be interested, here's a card I do it as a side business. So I could definitely see coming up with more ideas. I mean, it's funny. I really didn't brainstorm too much about that. But you just asking me that question right there, I'm like, heck yes, there are plenty of ways that I could continue to make this grow. And now I'm kind of, like I said, I get ideas and I'm like, yeah, maybe that's what will make it take off. I never went and said, hey, I'm done with this, period. It's more, okay, you could do more with it but you got to change how you approached it. And as long as you're willing to admit that and circle back and say, hey, let's try again, it's kind of nice because then you don't ever really have to say, I failed completely at this. When it comes to side hustles in general, 
Is there some kind of a community that you're active in or did you have some kind of a mentor or just person that came alongside you to help you on that side of things to get up and going? Or is it more learn as you go, Google a little bit here, research a little bit over there? What was that like? Yeah, I would say my main thing, um, and I kind of mentioned it's with the amount of NBS associates that do have side hustles. It's kind of nice to be able to sit right next to a couple of them and say, hey, how did you make this start? And the big overwhelming one was Facebook. Get it out there on social media somehow, some way. That's one of the first things I did. I know a couple other people that I talked to, they were, the last time I talked to them about their side hustle anyway, they were in the process of talking to someone within NBS that was in marketing and just kind of was going to go pick their brain about like a custom logo for their company. So then he could go make business cards and share them with people. But again, this was all right around the same time COVID hit, which, which did make things a little more difficult. Yeah, so I would just say my major source for help when I was starting to put this together was coworkers. I love that. What have you learned specifically about yourself throughout this process? Yeah, so I I would just say that my biggest thing that I've learned is you have good ideas. Just because they don't take off right away doesn't make them bad. You, you just need to invest more and give that time to really think about it if you do want to take it off. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking way back to, to high school, first baseball team I tried out for. And as an eighth grader trying out for the high school team, didn't make it. Baseball, I'm done with it. Haven't played baseball since then. I'm like, oh man, it was starting way back then. And you just got to stay motivated if you're really passionate about something and I just keep looking back with side gigs and side hustles and how long I've been saying this is something that I've wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, then invest in it and show that, yes, this is something that you want. So I would say the biggest thing I have learned is I need to find ways to to stay motivated when the A number one priorities don't take off because it is, it's something I'm passionate about, but obviously family friends, that's going to be the A number one priority. Yeah, I I can identify so much with you, Scott, because I'm very much an all or nothing person myself. Either I'm going to do it all and I'm going to do it well, or if I know there's a portion I can't do well, then I'm not going to do it at all. And that's not a way to live life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not about being perfect or being excellent at something. It's about trying your best. I love hearing other people talk about that learning experience as well. Yeah. I have one final question for you because I feel like a lot of our listeners would also be identifying with you right now, listening to you talk about your side hustle and getting up and running and running into some roadblocks. What advice would you have for someone who's interested in starting their own side hustle or passion project, but they just don't know where to start? I would definitely say do a little, even just online research, maybe. If you don't have that advantage, I mean, just sitting here talking to you, I'm like, Scott, you you have something that a lot of people don't have the benefit of. You have a Brian that you could go back to and go, hey, you're cutting boards. How did you really start making that take off? Like To me, I sit there and go, no. 
cutting boards cannot be something in like high high demand but i know for a fact he's he's sold quite a few at least what last time i talked to him same way with like uh, a sarah who i work with um very valuable resource to go back to and say hey how did you get your earrings to take off so if an individual has a has someone or a group like that that they have access to i would definitely say use them as a resource they're where they're at for a reason for me i feel like i mentioned with brian how did you get it out there to people and i think he'd tell me in office he went around to people showed them the product and said would you would you be interested and again covid makes that a little bit difficult but he's obviously a thinker so maybe he'd have something to to offer to me so that would be my biggest piece of advice to find someone that as a mentor to kind of reach out to for advice if if that isn't readily available. I think a lot of online research would be beneficial as well because I do think there are lots of success stories that you could find out there of people that were just following something that they were passionate about. I feel like Facebook has a community for just about everything. Mm -hmm. And it's just a quick search away to try to find those resources. If you don't know of anybody in person who you could go to, you can always find somebody online that would hopefully be willing to invest in you as a person and give you a little chunk of their time to help you out getting started with something like this. So Exactly. Well, Scott, I just want to say thanks for sharing your passion, not only for golfing, but also for side hustles and specifically the one you're working on for regripping golf clubs. Uh, it's been pretty fascinating to have this conversation and just talk about not only how you got started, but you know some plans that you might have to improve or keep working at it. I think it's a great inspirational story. So thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Always, always happy to share stories and experiences. So I appreciate the opportunity uh, you presented to me to do so. Huge thanks again to Scott for coming on the show to talk about side hustles. I love hearing about people's passion projects and how they can parlay that into some kind of a side hustle. So thanks again for telling us about that, Scott. Now we get to share our segments with our listeners and. I get to share something that I am loving right now. I have rediscovered a love for cooking. I've enjoyed cooking a lot in the past, but I've been in a cooking rut recently. I've been very bored with some of the recipes that I make. It just wasn't exciting anymore. So I was trying to think of ways that I could get excited again about cooking. And one of the things I thought of was where do I like to go out to eat? Or what are some of those things I enjoy eating when I'm not at home, when someone else is making my dinner for me? I came to realize I really enjoy going to restaurants that have a, a very different flavor palette than what I make at home. If I'm in Lincoln, I love going to Sultan's Kite. I love going to Daffodil. I love going to the Parthenon. A lot of Mediterranean, Greek, Persian, Iranian influences in a lot of that food. And so I thought, well, maybe I should try to find some recipes that I could recreate at home because those are the kinds of things I like to eat. I've also rediscovered a love for Pinterest because I was able to find some different recipes that I had never tried to make at home before on that website. 
And again, it's just rekindled this love that I have for making something and having it taste delicious. I'm loving trying different things when it comes to my weekly meal planning. It's been so much fun to to rediscover what I love about food. We also have a book recommendation, and this one comes from Katie Humphreys. She was a guest on the podcast last week. So Katie, thanks for sharing your book recommendation with us this week. She's an online help and communication specialist, and here is what she recommends to read. I love the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. They're both epic fantasy series, and I love the intricate plot with multitudes of well-developed characters and descriptions that really bring you into the story. Oh, Katie, I hardcore identify with this. I love a good fantasy novel. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I just love stories that you can get sucked into the story and that world that's so different from the one we experience on a daily basis. So thank you very much for sharing that book recommendation with us. I always love hearing what you're into and what you're reading right now. So if you want to share that on a future show, please make sure to fill out that form in TGIF to let me know what you're loving and what you're reading right now. And thank you so much for listening as well. You have no idea how much it means to all of us involved in NBS Cast that we have our faithful listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.